together. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise here this morning. We worship your name today. We glorify you. Heavenly Father, we magnify you. Amen. God bless you all. We hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving week. Those of you joining us online, thank you so much uh, for spending time with us. We have guests today, so it's been a a special weekend for that. We're honored to have uh, uh, Kiara Carroll uh, leading us in worship here today. She's from Urshan College, and she's here today leading us in worship, and we're honored to have her. She has an amazing uh, talent, but she also has an amazing ability to gather people and lead them in worship in the presence of God, and we're so honored to have her. And also, uh, friends from many, many years, um, Pastor, uh, now Bishop, uh, Mark Foster and his wife Paula, we're so honored to have them here with us today. We go way, way back when I, I, I remember the trailer they lived in. I remember the trailer they lived in because I went up and stayed with them in their trailer. I can close my eyes. I can see the trailer, the parking spot, walking down the left side of it going. I have spent time there and um, we uh, have some miles together. Uh, They have done almost everything there is to do in ministry from evangelizing to working at national headquarters uh, to to starting a church uh, in Winston-Salem and also pastoring a very successful uh, church in uh, West uh, Monroe, Louisiana. And by when I say successful, all churches are successful if they minister to people. I just use that as a way to refer to the size and and the years of institution excellence. So how about that? Uh, we're so honored to have them. And I want uh, uh, Bishop Foster to come right now and open his heart and speak to all of you of the goodness of the Lord. Would you receive him right now by giving God praise in this house? We worship you today, Lord Jesus. Love you. Let's give it up to Jesus right now. Praise your name, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. I like what I feel in the house. You may be seated. Jesus is in this house. And it feels good in the house. And uh, it's just wonderful to be here uh, with Pastor Nathan and Charla and to see the great work they're doing. And we do go way back. And he would come stay with our boys there in, in that little trailer. I may talk about that little trailer here in a little while. But uh, we have gone back with this family uh, seemingly forever and appreciate the great world. Listen, you've got a pastor and wife that have a phenomenal vision. They're all about reaching up to God and out to others, and that's what it's all about. And I love that. I love their vision. I love their passion for God and for others. And it just blesses me. And Paula and I both come away every time we're with them. They leave us better than they found us. And that that is just a blessing. Have you ever been with anybody that sapped everything out of you? Yes. You ever been with anybody that, oh, when you when they leave, you say, oh, yes, yes, yes. wow. 
Well, you know what? I, I get to choose who I hang with. So I may hang with you once if you're like that, but not twice. All right. Now, I'll try to help you. I'll try to help you do better. But uh, you know what? I pick and choose who I hang with at, because they're going to bless me and make me better. And these two right here, you are blessed to have this couple leading this church. Love them. They're precious kids. What a vision they have and what an impact, not just in this church, but that they and this church are making on this community here in Charlotte. It's absolutely beautiful. And I'm excited about the about the congregation in Concord as well. That's just so exciting. Uh, go ahead. Give it up. And we got to spend some time with them Friday evening, some real quality time, and then got to spend some time with our friends, uh, uh, Bishop David and Linda Elms yesterday, spent a couple hours at their house, took a meal over there, had a great time, just love them, and uh, again, you're just blessed uh, with this family. Glad to have my sweetheart, here she is, right here, and this girl, we're not really this old, but she's been following me around for close to 53 years now. And uh, we, I, I may have told you this before, but we started young. We got married when we were five, and that's our story, and we're sticking with it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Forgive me, Lord. But uh, I'm just excited. What a, what a great work that... Uh, Pastor Nathan and Charla are doing here. What a great church this is. And uh, it's always so exciting for us to come. And so I, I want to preach uh, just for a few moments today out of my heart. And I simply want to title this, What If? Look at somebody and say, What If? Now look at somebody on the other side and say, Just What If? Somebody said it this way. What if this dream that I can see could change how things are to how they could be? Two letters, that's all. If takes a chance and risks a fall. Others say why. If answers why not. Dares to take action. If starts with a thought. One little if and one little me to fight the current, to swim upstream. If doesn't ask when, if says now. From here to there, if is the how. If starts sooner, stays longer, keeps the faith, gets back up, goes back to work, sets the pace. So now I'll start, I'll begin. Without the start, there'd be no win. If counts the cost, a price to pay, sees the potential, then seizes the day. If today, then tomorrow. Show something for the breath you borrow. Take a leap, just a step. Growing old without regret. Tell me now, what's your what if? What will it take for you to scale the cliff? You have the vision. Make it come true. Sometimes that what if is you. In the end, it goes to show there's no telling what one if can grow. Finish what you start. Then time has come to dream again. Who knows what a day will bring? What if? 
This changes everything. And so I'm preaching to somebody today to step into your what if. What is your what if? Where did you leave your what if? It's time to find your what if today. On August the 15th, 1987, Howard Schultz was faced with the toughest decision of his life, whether or not to buy a small chain of coffee houses with a strangely weird name, Starbucks. Now, knowing what we know now, it's definitely a no-brainer. But to Schultz, the $3.8 million price tag felt like a case of the tadpole swallowing the, hay, the, the whale. And in his memoir, Pour Your Heart Into It, the architect behind Starbucks brand reflects on his what-if moment. And here's what he said. This is my moment, I thought. If I don't seize the opportunity, if I don't step out of my comfort zone and risk it all, if I let too much time tick on, my moment will pass. I knew that if I didn't take advantage of this opportunity, I would replay it in my mind for my whole life, wondering, what if? And Howard Schultz made the defining decision to give up the safety net of his $75,000 a year salary to pursue his passion for all things coffee. Yeah. Five years later, Starbucks went public on June 26, 1992. It was the second most actively traded stock on the NASDAQ that day. And by the closing, or buckle your seatbelts, by the closing bell, its market capitalization stood at $273 million. Not bad for a $3.8 million investment by a $75,000 a year man. Starbucks now has over 33,000 stores in 76 countries with revenues topping $24 billion and over 350,000 employees. And by conservative estimates, last year Starbucks sold 3,861,778,846 cups of coffee. Not to mention the other 87,000 possible drink combinations and every sip of every drink started with what if. And so I'm preaching to somebody today. God has sent a preacher to you today with a message that it's time to quit procrastinating and step in to your what if. On December the 1st, 1955, a little lady named Rosa Parks in Montgomery, Alabama said, what if I refuse to sit on the back of the bus? Martin Luther King lived, breathed, and passionately pursued his what if, and he didn't miss his what if moment. And Martin Luther King 
and Rosa Parks uh, by following their what if they literally changed the world. I'm preaching to somebody right now that one little what if can change the sequence of your life, can change the destiny of your family. If you can just step in by faith to your what if, it doesn't matter how bad things are going right now. It doesn't matter what's happening in your life. Jesus is here and he's saying it's time to step in to your what if moment. Just what if I quit going along with my negative friends? What if I stand up and go forward in faith and positivity? What if I go ahead and break out of this negative mindset? What if I quit allowing negativity to control me? What if I decide today to quit being a gripey, grumpy, long-faced Christian? What if I decide to quit being a judging, judgmental Christian? What if I decide to quit being led? influenced and directed by judgmental negative people? What if I buck the tide of popular opinion and do the right thing? I've just finished my, I'd have to go back and look, my 17th or 18th season of chaplaining a prolific high school football team. And every Friday when I stand before them, before they eat their pregame meal, one of the things I tell them, I say, gentlemen, don't ever forget, I reminded you last week and I'm reminding you again today, life is simply made up of the sum total of your choices and decisions decisions, either good or bad, and they all have consequences. And so like football, life is a game of inches. Life is a game of choices and decisions. And it's time for somebody today to say, I'm getting ready to make the right choice and I'm stepping out on faith into my what if. I'm declaring that you're only one uh, if away from an alternate reality. What if you start praying, God, instead of praying for the answer, I'm going to pray a little differently today, and I'm asking you to make me the answer. What if uh, I say I'm going to be the catalyst uh, for revival in this church? Uh, I'm going to bring about a revival in the city of Charlotte. What if I step in to my destiny that God has planned for me? What if uh, I decide to become the difference maker in my family. I'm preaching to somebody. It doesn't matter what's going on in your family. Your family can change today if you'll step in to your what if moment. What if I believe that God's got the greatest revival for Charlotte that that Charlotte has ever known and I'm going to step into my what if moment and become a part of it too. Hallelujah. 
What if I start looking for divine appointments every day? What if uh, I, I decide to be the most joy-filled person on my job, not just tomorrow, but every day when I walk in? I'm preaching to somebody right now. God has been wanting to use you like you have never dreamed, and somebody's catching the vision right now. Somebody's dreaming the dream, and somebody's saying, beginning today, I'm going to step in to my what if moment. And so I ask you today, what is your what if? Now there are 1,784 ifs in the Bible. And my favorite if in the Bible is Romans 8 and 31, and it fires me up every time I read it. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I'm preaching to you today. It doesn't matter who's against you. It doesn't matter if all hell seems to be coming against you. I'm preaching that God is for you. Do not believe the lie of the enemy that God's not for you. God is for me and that's all I need to know. It doesn't matter what's going on in my life. It doesn't matter how much is going wrong in my life. God is for me and I'm going to declare that every morning when I get up. Romans 5 and 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He saw my every failure. He saw my every mistake. He saw my every mess up, but he still died for me. God is for me. I remember the little building over on Howie Circle. I remember preaching there so many years ago. I remember, I don't know, between 40 and 45 years ago, I preached there. But what I'm saying is, what if? Bishop David and Linda Elms uh, said, no, we're not going to walk into our what if. We know what you're saying, God, but you know, we're more comfortable in California. That's where we were raised. That's where we came from. This is, this is all the way across the country from one coast to the other. I don't think we'll do it, but no, sir, that's not the kind of folks they are. They said by faith, uh, we're going to step in to our what if, uh, and we're going to set anchor and we're going to put roots down in Charlotte and God began to work and then along came Pastor Nathan and Charla Elms and they said it doesn't matter what's going on in our life. It doesn't matter what we're getting and Pastor Nathan, a businessman, a builder, all kind of things, but he said what, what doesn't matter what's going on in my secular career 
career, I'm going to step in to God's what if for my life and look what the Lord has done. I'm preaching to somebody that God is going to do something in your life that's literally going to blow your mind. Mm. Philippians, somebody right now is saying, I, I know. I know what my what if is. But I don't think that I can do it. But Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now in Isaiah chapter 43, God made three powerful astounding statements that speak to me and they're going to speak to you today and they're going to help you with your what if number one are you ready for this number one God said hey he's got to get our attention sometimes God said hey I've got this well, he didn't say it exactly like that. But here's what he did say in Isaiah 43, 15. This is the way he said it. He said, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Before he made his promise, God declared his ultimate title, I am. And he immediately followed it up with four others. I'm your Lord. I'm your Holy One. I'm your Creator. And I'm your King. Somebody today needs to say, He is my Lord. He is my Holy One. He is my Creator. He is my King. He's giving his resume. He's giving his qualifications to you so you will know he's got this. He's got this. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, let me say this. Don't ever put your faith in man. Get your eyes off a of man and keep them on God. The last phrase of Hebrews 13 and 5, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Too often in today's society, we hear it and we say it. I've got this. When we ought to be saying, God's got this. Never forget, many years ago, 1981, Winston-Salem, we were raising up a church there. We didn't have two nickels to rub together. We lived in that little trailer, Pastor. That little trailer, when I bought it, had bullet holes in it. It had screens that were dangling. It had paint peeling to the bare metal, but it was cheap, baby. <laughs> I wouldn't let Paula see it first time I saw it. I actually asked her to stay in the car. <laughs> but we bought it and we fixed it up and the church couldn't, couldn't give us a nickel. They, I, I don't have time to go into all that story today, but 
they owed everybody and their dog. <laughs> there was no mismanagement of funds. There was simply no funds to manage. And so I promised God, he, he spoke to me. I don't, I don't recommend this to church planters, but he spoke to me to work the church and the community as hard as I would work a public job and to not get a secular job. And, and I, I obeyed him. And so I stepped out on faith and that's what I began to do. And I came home that evening and uh, I'd been in and out of homes all day, in and out of businesses, teaching Bible studies, meeting people, reaching for people, praying for people, meeting everybody that I could. And when I drove up, the boys were playing with some friends out in the yard. I played with them a little while, walked up on the little wooden porch, walked inside, and Paula was setting supper on the table. Dinner for you more sophisticated folks, okay? But she was setting supper on the table, and uh, I noticed... She was putting, I would say, our finest china on the table, but it was our only china. Uh, we got it 10 years earlier as a wedding gift, and I wondered what the occasion was. She had never set the china out in that little trailer. And then she set out three dishes, a little dish of hominy, another one of green beans, and another one of uh, carrots, I think. And uh, so I looked, I looked at the table, I looked at the stove, there was nothing there. I opened the oven, there was nothing there. She said, Mark, call the boys, it's time to eat. I said, baby, baby, where, where's the beef? Where's the chicken? Where's something else? Little tears started coursing down her pretty face. And she said, Mark, we don't have anything else in the house. It's the last three cans of any kind of food that we had. She said, we don't have any bread or cereal in the pantry. We don't have any milk in the refrigerator. We'll send our boys to school hungry tomorrow. But here's what she said. She grabbed my hand and she said, but don't you get discouraged. God called us. He's going to keep us. And don't forget, Mark, God's got this. And we're going to build a church. And we raised our hands and began to magnify him. I went out and got the boys, brought them in, and uh, we ate. They didn't know any better. They were young enough to not know any better. Went to bed. One of the real miracles was the next morning they were not hungry when they got up. <laughs> what a miracle. And we sent them to school with no food. I went to the church halfway wondering if maybe the, the school would call. But I went to the church and was working in that little building doing some things. And at 10 o'clock the phone rang. I said, have it view. And Paula was on the other end just bouncing and bubbling. And she said, Mark, come home quick. I just got back from the mailbox. Somebody heard about our story and God nudged them to send a $50 check. He said, Mark, let's go get groceries. $50 would be a lot, buy a lot more in 1981 than it will today. But what I'm telling you is God supplied our every need because we stepped in to our what if. We built a church and that's a great church today, pastored by Harold Linder. I'm preaching to you. It doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are today. I'm telling you, if you will by faith step into your what if, God's got you. God's got this. God's got your family. Hallelujah.
So number one, hey, I've got this. Number two, God says in Isaiah 43, hey, I've done this before. Now, this is the way he really said it. In the 16th verse, thus saith the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters. God is reminding us, uh, I rolled back the sea for the children of Israel. I made a path through the mighty waters. Uh, and so, Mark, it doesn't matter what you're going through. I am still God, and I've been here before, and I've done this before, and you're my child, and I'm going to help. Uh, and I'm preaching to somebody right now. God's saying, I've done this before. Hebrews chapter 13 and 8 Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever and God did it yesterday and if he did it yesterday he'll do it today and if he did it today he'll do it tomorrow well you don't know what I've done you don't know where I am preacher you don't know how many times I've failed but I'm telling you God is never surprised do you hear me? He knows all things. I'm, I'm declaring to somebody right now that God's purpose for your life is still intact. You're not bigger than God and you're not big enough to blow up God's purpose for your life. I've just got to believe it. I'm declaring God can restore the years that you've left. Lamentations chapter 3. Watch this close. One of my, I've got several favorite scriptures, but one of my favorites. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And so it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how you've failed and fallen. It doesn't matter the mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life or in your family or in your career, your business, your job. I'm preaching to you today that his faithfulness is still great. I'm preaching to you his compassions and mercy fail not. They are new every morning. Discouragement is spiritual amnesia. And we lose faith because we forget about the faithfulness of God. Philippians 1 and 6, Paul said, I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. And then number three. And God said it this way. Hey! He still tried to get our attention. Hey! I'm going to do something new and powerful. Look at somebody say, wow. 
Look at somebody and say, God's getting ready to do something new and powerful in your life. Now look at the way God said it, really said it. Verse 18. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I'm preaching to you. It's time to get past your losses and crosses and quit counting them. Don't dwell on the disappointments, the regrets, and the losses of yesterday. It's far too easy to allow the hurts and disappointments of yesterday erode my confidence in God today. Paul said in Philippians in such a powerful way, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me. Somebody said, you got to forget it. Somebody look at somebody and say, put it behind you. And reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. If you're always looking back, may I remind you today that your significance is not in what's behind you. It is in what is before you, ahead of you, where God's leading you. What is your what if? Amen. Praise God. God told Jeremiah in the first chapter of Jeremiah, there's some things you should not say. In that seventh verse, Jeremiah had already said, I can't do this, Lord. I'm just a child. And the Lord, but the Lord said unto me, Say not, somebody said, quit saying it. Say not, I'm a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. I'm preaching to somebody, it's time to get the negative what ifs out of your vocabulary, the wrong what ifs out of your vocabulary. You see, there's some what ifs you shouldn't say. What if I'd have done that? What if I'd only made a better decision. Get rid of those. Get those in your past. There is a reason that the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. If you drive always looking in the rearview mirror, you're going to crash. But you've got to look ahead. You've got to look forward through the windshield. You've got to look where you're going. You've got to look where God's taking you. God's saying, I'm doing a new thing. And so it's time to let God do that new thing in your life. Proverbs 18 and 21. Powerful, powerful scripture. Let the scripture speak to you today. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And you're going to eat 
the words you speak. You're either going to eat good things or bad things according to what you speak. So I'm asking, are you speaking death or life into your family? Are you speaking death or life into your situation? Are you speaking death or life into what's going on in your life? I've made up my mind. I'm putting negativity behind me and I'm going to get up every morning and I'm going to speak life into my situation, into my family. Our musicians are coming right now. I'm declaring to somebody that you're catching it today. Faith is rising in this house. God knows exactly where you are. He knows where you've been. He knows where you're headed. He knows what's going on in your family. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what's going on in your career, in your business. He knows what's going on in every aspect of your life. And I want you to catch this. When you speak and verbalize your faith, you give it power, credence, and weight. And so say it like you believe it. I challenge somebody today to say it out loud. This is my day. This is my time. God's going to do something great in my life. I challenge somebody to get out of bed in the morning. And the first thing you do is raise your hands and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad. Why don't you remain standing? Don't ever forget that one plus God is a majority. In 1990 NBA season, Michael Jordan dropped 69 points on the Cleveland Cavaliers. The reporter asked Stacy King, his teammate, after the game, how he would remember Michael's performance. Now, bear in mind, Stacy King watched most of the game from the bench, for he was just a role player and didn't see much playing time. He scored, in fact, only one point in the game, and that's what made his statement an instant classic. And here's his answer to the reporter. All I can say is this is the game that I will always remember that Michael Jordan and I combined to score 70 points. And Stacy King rode Michael Jordan's coattails all the way to not just one NBA championship, not just two NBA championships, but to three NBA championships. He's got three rings. Uh, but you know what? Uh, he said, I'm going to look at the positives of it. Uh, well, let me tell you, I'm riding the coattails of Jesus Christ today. I'm not much, uh, but I'm all I've got. Uh, and I'm everything with Jesus and nothing without him. And so I'm riding his coattail 
from victory to victory. Is anybody hearing me today? You can get on board today. God can change your world today. You can step in to your what if. So I ask today, what is your what if? And I want you to bring it down here today. If you have any kind of a need, if you have a spiritual need, if you need to receive the Holy Spirit, if you need to be renewed in the Holy Spirit, if you need to be baptized, or if you just need to draw closer to Jesus, number one, if you have a spiritual need, number two, if you have an emotional need, maybe there's something happened in your childhood, something in the past you've not been able to get over. Number three, if you have a relational need, maybe with a spouse, with a parent, with a child, with a family member, with a friend, with an associate on the job. Number four, if you have a physical need in your body, if you need healing. And number five, if you have a financial need, and that covers absolutely everything. If you have any of those needs, I want you right now just to step out and say, I'm bringing my need to Jesus. And I'm bringing my what if to Jesus. And I'm ready to step in it in faith today. Just bring it on down. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us. Thank you.